Hello, I'm Brett Terpstra, and you're listening to Systematic. My guest this week is Patrice Brendamore, content creator and developer, returning to Systematic for the first time since 2014. All right. So, Patrice, how you been? I've been been good. I mean, super, super busy. <laughs> it has been it has been a while. Like, I mean, Systematic, what was that? Like 2012-ish? Um, I actually, I built a search into my browser. I can tell you in seconds of course you did <laughs> you were on in 2014 2014 okay so it hasn't been that long it's been... i mean it's still six years yeah yeah look... six years and i i realized this morning that nvalt the the notational velocity fork that i made mm -hmm. is 10 years old this year jesus it's okay been, it's been a decade <laughs> yeah that is a long Think time Time keeps marching on, yeah. and I'm 42 now, mm -hmm. and and the world is not slowing down. Mm -hmm. Why does everything speed up as you get older? Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing. I mean, the same for me. Like, I I realized that I've been working, like, actively working job wise in software development for 10 years, like almost exactly yeah. like 10 years and a couple of months, and like I'm like that's crazy. I've been developing for the web for over 20 years now. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that old people say. Yeah, I mean that means the web is at least twenty <laughs> years old. Yeah, yeah. I started. I started in about nineteen ninety, probably ninety five was when mm -hmm. I made my first website. Yeah. What's that? Twenty five years. That is, yeah, yeah twenty five years. I mean, I'm I'm close to that. I think my first website I made like in ninety eight, maybe ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, like eighth grade. <laughs> That yeah, back when back when DHTML was hot technology. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we started with like, <laughs> what was it like HTML? I want to say four was already. Was it three or four? I I don't even remember. I just remember we I had don't... like there was a, like a club in school where we, basically we got like a bunch of people got together and learned HTML, and I just remember there was a CD with like the latest HTML version. Uh, was it an official club that the school endorsed or just a bunch of people that had common interests? Uh, just a bunch of people. I mean, yeah, it's more. Yeah, it that's was, it was. I mean, the school would, I mean, obviously knew about it because we could use like school resources and whatever. Uh, but there was no teacher or anything. It was like more informal. My school was like deathly afraid of anyone who knew too much about computers. <laughs> If you appeared, if you appeared to have any hacking skills mm -hmm. at all, they would like ban you from the computer lab. Oh yeah, we were left to our own devices. Yeah, I I remember one of the guys in that lab got banned from from the lab as well, uh, because he yeah. changed like for like his senior year prank, he just uh, changed all the backgrounds on the PCs to something, <laughs> and they didn't appreciate that. <laughs> So he got banned. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, my school was rightly worried. Uh, I had access. I, I worked for a company called JTech, which mm -hmm. did a lot of like computer maintenance and actual cleaning. Like the, my first my first cleaning job was cleaning a 10 megabyte hard drive in a library. Like it was the size of a, a desktop machine now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it held 10 megabytes. But we would go in and clear out years worth of uh, of whatever you call that grime that builds up mm -hmm. inside fans. Yeah. <laughs> but so I had access to the computer labs over the summer mm -hmm. and I eventually figured out how to, through their intranet, 
how to get to the grades. And it was, they figured out that someone had accessed it. They assumed it was me because I was the only person in the lab over the summer. Mm -hmm. They were correct, but I still felt singled out. I could, I'm easily, <laughs> teenagers, easily <Sure>. offended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of makes sense. I mean, you're like, like, why me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just because I know about computers, you think I'm the bad kid? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. The, the funny thing yeah. is, I remember um, we had Doom on our on our yeah. like lab computers, and like you could play it like multi multiplayer over the network. And I remember yeah. that it was like <laughs> that was somewhat official, or like at least I know that the like whoever was in charge of the lab computers actually knew about it. So <laughs> I was like, do I was like, how was that allowed? Do people still have LAN parties? Uh, is that still a thing? I I think so. I've heard some people still doing that. Um, I never did that. Like I, I was a very solo computer guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I got into like Gopher and BBSs, but I never got into gaming on a network. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I was fascinated by the machines people would build, mm -hmm. like these portable desktop machines like cubes and and water cooled uh cpus with handles on yeah. them and yeah yeah those are cool I, I never i mean i did some land parties but it was like three four people and it was for me it was like i i didn't care much about gaming uh for me it was more like a social thing i was like i mean hanging out with friends and having fun and like sleepovers and all of that and i mean i was like I'm going to say 15, 14, something like that, 16, maybe. So, yeah. Yeah. I said, for me, I've never been a big gamer. I mean, I've played some games, but I'm like, eh. Like, I got into yeah. development early, and, like, it was always more fun tinkering with things and, like, destroying things and then trying to figure out how to fix them. <laughs> than, yeah, for than sure. anything else. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't remember how often I've, like, I've had to install Windows because I don't know, I deleted a file that I shouldn't have or anything like that. I think my my high school years were both basically spent recompiling Linux kernels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got I got really into Linux, and I didn't have a great understanding of like C and C plus mm plus. -hmm. I was still pretty new. I was I was learning Pascal at the time, <laughs> which also dates me. But yeah. um, but yeah, like recompiling kernels was mm -hmm. a a, a regular like almost weekly activity for me trying to make my computer do new and different things yeah i do remember doing that but for me it was like more like university time like maybe junior year i started doing that and like i mean it wasn't that i needed to um but like i wanted to get better graphics performance and that kind of required recompiling your kernel so I yeah. did that a couple yeah, totally. and I did that like sometimes, as you said, like three, four times a week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like optimizing so, things. Where are you located right now? Um currently I'm in Austria. Um like somewhere relatively in the middle of Austria. So Vienna on one side, and then like Salzburg might be the other city that a lot of people know from like movies and stuff. Like basically on the other side here. Yeah. So, you move around a lot, don't you? Um Kind of, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially last, I mean, since we talked last time, or like at least on systematic, um, I've moved a bit, yeah. 
like I moved from I moved within Koblenz and then I moved to Arizona and then moved there a little bit and then moved here. So why why did why did you move to Arizona? Um mostly work. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. mostly work. Um like my company, I mean I I the the I've always like had the plan and known that I wanted to do it. Like I just wanted to move like out of Germany and wanted to like work somewhere else. Um and it kind of and I was talking to my managers back then, all of that, and then it kind of accidentally happened. Like they were like, okay, we're moving a pro like a project that I started, we're moving that to the US for well, mostly tax purposes. Let's be let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean it, there there's like a whole story behind that with like, I mean, we basically took over an existing project that was already running in the US. So it kind of made like there was a, a larger code base already in the US and transferring that around the world simply didn't make any sense. So they kind of yeah. were like, I mean, we're moving this over there. Management will be in, in in Phoenix. Do you want to move? And I was like, hell yes. I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, like, why not? So do you, is it, I, I from what I know of the German opinion of the United States, it seems like if you ask the German, do you want to move into not even one of the more liberal states mm -hmm. of the U.S., but into one of the most conservative states in the U.S., would you like to move? I wouldn't think the answer would be hell yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't consider Arizona that conservative. I mean, it is pretty laid back. I mean, there are like, I would say there's a big divide in Arizona between conservatives and liberals, um, like the, also kind of between like, I mean, let's be fair, skin colors. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I, I would say, yeah, if, if you ask most Germans, I mean, one, most of them wouldn't consider moving to the US at all. Like it's, it is like there is a group in Germany, like a group of people who like the US and want, wanted to move there. And like, I don't know, I think it was like somewhere around like a couple thousand at least every year do it. Um, hmm. But it's not like a widespread thing. I mean, Germany has like 80 million people or something. And most people, sure, if sure. you ask them whether like they would ever, like in their entire lifetime, consider moving to the US, they say no. Um, yeah. Like, it's kind of a, especially in recent years, like a little bit of a political thing. Uh, but I mean, like since, I mean, to, since 2000, to be honest, like 2000, 2001, and everything that has happened after that, that kind of changed a little bit the opinion about like the US. And <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. For, for me, as I said, like, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about Arizona. Like I had never been there. Uh, I mean, it, it was kind of, I didn't care. I was like, okay, there's so, like so many of my friends are in the US that yeah. I was like, I mean, it's just easier for me to move there. Yeah. And All right. So kind of, as I said, it was kind of, kind of an accident. I never, like, I didn't even expect it. Like, I mean... Like I, I uh, leased the car like six months before that and got a dog like three or four months before that. So if I had known, yeah. I definitely wouldn't have done any of those things. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. That's not how you, that's not how you prepare for an no, international move. No, like, I mean, huh. moving the dog wasn't that difficult, but the, the car turned out to be a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> No, yeah, basically I would have thought the dog would be harder. No, the dog was, I mean, money-wise, I mean, sure, you had to pay for it, but my company paid for it, so that wasn't, like, a big deal. Yeah. Um, the car was more of a nightmare because, like, the like BMW just didn't want to take it back. 
They were like, oh. no. And uh, basically it stayed in Germany, like in a garage for the next like year and a half until like the lease was up and then they took it back. Huh. And I was like, okay, what? that makes no sense at all, but okay. It really doesn't. You yeah. would think the whole point of leasing is that you could get rid of it when you want it Yeah, uh, yes. But I mean, you have, and, and I was like, I, it's not about the money. I'm like, I, I'm going to pay you for like the rest of the lease and whatever, like I don't care. It's not that much. Uh, and they were like, that no, we odd. cannot do that. It's a very German, huh. it's, it's to be honest, a very German thing. Like there is no process to do it and customer service doesn't exist in Germany. So they're like, huh. well, not our problem. What I do you mean customer service doesn't exist? Oh, that's that's a very German thing. Like, I mean, uh, there's like a, in Germany, people say like it's the like whatever customer service desert. Um, huh. Because like it's it's customer service is a thing in the US, like very important that like as a customer, you're happy. I mean, mostly within reason, obviously. Um, um, and that like there's an investment into customer service and like. In, in in service in general, like I mean, even at the restaurant, that's not the case in Germany. Like I mean, there are exceptions. There are people who are like genuinely like interested in helping you and nice to you and whatever. But mostly, like it's everybody like doing their own thing. Huh. And All it's, right. it's like on a, on a, even on a corporate level. I mean, I I, I saw that in, in even in my company. I mean, there is a vast difference in customers like how customer service is approached in like my company uh, in germany versus us yeah you would say like the us subscribes to the the idea that the customer is always right yeah mostly um, I said, within reason i mean there are limits like nothing like not well always, sure but it, it goes it's a pretty philosophy far. yes <laughs> yeah it goes pretty far um like one of the key experiences was um Actually, recently in Austria here, like I was at like a grocery store and I was returning my card and got, I got yelled at because the card wasn't from that store, apparently. Oh. And I was like, how is that my problem? Yeah. How is that your fault? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I took it out of this. I took it out of the thing, like at the store and I'm returning it here. And like, they get really angry with me. And I'm, and, and, and I was like, in the US, someone would have been like, Okay, this is not our card, but don't worry, we'll take it from you and we'll take care of it. Yeah. And that is not how that works here. Not in Austria, definitely not in Germany. So All right. <laughs> that was kind of kind of yeah, very interesting. <laughs> so, one of the reasons I had you on and and something I have a lot of questions about mm -hmm. is you you have transitioned to being a woman. Mm -hmm. You yeah. are a trans woman. Yes. How long ago did you officially uh, like publicly make that transition? Um, I mean, officially I start, I mean, I'm still transitioning. Um, that's like kind of a process. I don't know whether it ever sure. ends, but um, like, sure. it depends. Like some people say yes, some people say no. Um, it was about... A year and a little bit ago. Like, I mean, when I made it official, like it has been a process of like, I don't know, um, 10, 20 years at least, uh, figuring out like who I am and like really realizing things. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I, I didn't assume, year. I didn't assume you woke up one day and <laughs> made <laughs> no. the choice. No, it's, it yeah. is not a choice. Like that's, that's the, that's the thing what most people don't understand. Like it is not a choice. It's not something that you like wake up one day and say, okay, I'm, I'm a woman now and just choose it. Um, it's like a struggle to be honest. And yeah, so I, said, it, it, I wouldn't say it was easy. I mean, I've like 
knowing some other like trans people in general, uh, e like either direction. Um, uh, I've been lucky, to be honest. Like I know, I know, like I have friends that lost families and everything over it. Yeah. Um, or like, yeah, <laughs> really, really, really struggled like personally and financially with it. And I've been so far okay in general. I mean, nothing is easy. Um, oh, absolutely. But yeah, about, about a, I mean, I made it official about a year ago, like before I got married, basically. And, and your, your wife is wife, husband, yeah, wife, <laughs> wife. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, you, your wife was accepting. Okay with it. Yes. Uh, she, I mean, she, she honestly encouraged me a little bit. I mean, she, the funny thing is she knew like she knew yeah. like she knew for for certain way before me like she met me and like date one she she knew um that's amazing and, and for me like it took a little longer to really to really accept it like i i, I yeah. knew deep down i knew this was happening and I, I i was getting to the point of like also understanding it and accepting it but it's not an easy step like especially no. coming out to everybody and like she as a she told me after like she started asking questions like a couple of months in uh because she knew um and then like she told me she's like yeah i knew they uh, on the first date like this she she, yeah. she i mean she really thought it would happen later um sure and i'm pretty sure like if like if I hadn't moved or if this whole move situation hadn't happened, it might've taken a little longer. I think that just like accelerated it a little bit or gave me like a very convenient starting point or like cutover yeah. point. Um, but yeah, she knew and she was okay with it. I mean, she, she, the funny thing is, I mean, she is, she's bisexual, more leaning towards women. She actually gave up on dating women like the year before or so, uh, because that was difficult for her uh that is yeah that was kind like of it, it, kind of perfect yeah and the kids like i mean she has two kids and yeah. like the the older one was like i mean when i told her she was like yeah i know i knew like <laughs> fine <laughs> i mean she's like 12 now so i mean she's old enough to yeah. understand it and i mean to be to be fair uh, the entire family is like i mean they're all queer uh yeah like, i mean I have a what is that down a brother-in-law uh who's trans who's trans um like I think my sister-in-law one of my sisters-in-law at least is uh is is gay um so like it's it's all over this family anyways like they they're used to it simply and that makes that it a, easy Yeah that is a really good position to yeah. to find yourself in Definitely like I I'm in a relationship I'm I'm I would say mostly straight mm -hmm. white male. Um, I don't, I don't require a lot of acceptance, but I'm in a relationship where I feel every aspect of me is so accepted and encouraged mm -hmm. that it makes me want to cry sometimes. That's so and important. hearing, hearing about that situation for you also makes me want to cry because that is probably the most supportive environment that I could hope for. in if I, if I had to make that transition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it is, it is on one hand, it should be super easy. I mean, it, it is not for like, I mean, it is hard for people to like understand it and for some people to accept it or like, I mean, at least change 
Uh, I mean, like referring to a person like with whatever male or female pronouns for mm -hmm. years and years and years and then changing that and maybe even changing the name. I mean, I didn't because I liked my name, but a lot of people do. It's not easy. Like it's not something that you can just change from like one day to another and nobody expects that. Um, like that's, that's a really something, I mean, there has to be acceptance on all, on all fronts. And I mean, I've talked to a lot of, a lot of people, like all kinds, like trans, non-trans, non-binary, like gay, whatever, everybody. Um, and the one thing is most people can differentiate between what is unintentional mistake what is an un unintentional mistake and what is like on purpose. Okay, yeah. Sure. Exactly. And that is for most people, that's where the line is. I mean, it might still hurt if someone like misgenders you or uses the wrong name or whatever, it, it might still hurt, but most people can at least separate that and say, okay, it wasn't intentional. Like it was just a slip up. And most people are like my experience, at least, and I know not everybody has that. Most people are good with it. Like they'll, they'll correct themselves or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has happened to me. Like, I mean, I was in a meeting the other week and like one of my managers uh like misgendered me but i know i mean he knows and i know it wasn't like he was just in in the in the situation because he's like been really good before so I, yeah. it was just a slip up and it happens and i mean he knows me from before so i think that makes it harder right. do you think that not changing your name uh, so for me with the people in my life mm -hmm. that have transitioned them changing their name by by having to remember the new name, it helped me remember who they were mm -hmm. now. And do you think that not changing your name is, do you think it added to confusion for people that have known you for a long time? Probably, yes. Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, you get to avoid to being dead named. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Uh, I think sometimes, yes, because they're just used to my name um, and just used to certain gender assigned with that. Um, so I think, yes, probably. Um, okay. but from, for me, it was simply, I really liked my name. I like that it's unique. I, I switched my middle name. So, okay. um, I did change that, but that's not the name that I really use that much anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, it probably made it harder, but for me, it was like, that was a no brainer. I went kind of, I, I thought about it a little bit. Um, and, and, and ultimately I decided that I just liked my name too much. Sure. And it I, is, I the can... funny thing is in most country, uh, countries other than France, it is actually a female name. Yeah. I was wondering like in, <laughs> in Germany, is it, is it kind of a unisex name or is it more uh, yes. of a masculine name? It, it is okay. unisex leaning female. That's uh, one of the reasons why my parents actually had to pick a middle and like a male like a unique really male middle name to make that clear <laughs> so that was All the right. funny thing i'm like i mean kind of kind of a happy accident <laughs> yeah other yeah. than in france and france is for some reason like i mean <laughs> my name is french and in france my name is male any That's other country like switzerland germany us definitely mostly mostly female yeah all right. Um, so you talked about your wife's side of the family. Mm -hmm. Have have you had uh, acceptance on your side of the family? Um, mostly, yes. I mean, 
my family is a little bit like <laughs> special i would say uh, it's something i mean i'm i'm going through therapy and it's something that i'm struggling with or working with working on um we don't talk too much um okay. my, my my sister was great i mean we're pro i'm probably closer with my sister now than i ever was through this and um like she was like super like accepting she's like hey it's great for you um like i'm happy to have a sister and like if you ever need anything let me know and that was it and she's been great and like her like my nieces, well, I mean, one of them is way too young anyway to remember anything. And the other one, sure. there were some tears, like first five minutes. But I mean, you know, kids, they forget. Like she, yeah. she basically accepted it like 10 minutes after that, like five minutes. She's like unsure what's going on. And then like she's she's done. And since then, she's like super happy to have an aunt and everything. Um, yeah. My mom, I mean, I wrote her an email because like as I said, we don't talk. I mean, we, we talk on the phone, but it's not like really having deep conversations, really. Sure. It's not yeah. something my family does and has never done. Um, and yeah. she said she, she accepts it. Um, and we've basically not talked about it at all. And I'm not 100% sure she's really behind it, but she also doesn't like say or do anything that would like tell me she's not. Like it's kind of... Yeah, there are like little hints here and there where I'm like, I mean, she complained once that like someone apparently in her little village that we, she lives in figured it out and now like her, like she, she was ruined or whatever, like she complained about that. <laughs> but I mean, she's German, she likes to complain. So I, I didn't like, read too much into that. I'm like, yeah, okay. It will okay. pass. It will pass. Like it's the news of the day in the, in the village and then it's gone the next, like. I, yeah, I sure. Yeah, but other than that, and like, I mean, that's basically my family. I have an uncle that I haven't really talked about it. I mean, he, I know he knows and he hasn't said anything and we, he calls me and everything and we talk. So I think he's, he's fine. Um, and that's, yeah. about, that's about it. Like my family is very, very small. So. All right. Yeah. All right. As I said, so I'm, I'm you... lucky. As I said, I, I know like friends in, in, in Germany, like they lost family, friends, everything, job. Yeah, and those are the stories that I hear and mm -hmm. that break my heart pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, you made your kind of public transition as you moved to the U.S., right? No, not really. Um, okay. It's kind of opposite when I moved back. Like I, like the projects that I was on, uh, kind of wrapped up, or like I mean, it's still going, but like it changed, so they didn't need me anymore in the U.S. Okay. Um, so they kind of sent me back. And okay. that was kind of the, the transition period between, yeah, moving back wherever. Like, I didn't know even where I was going. Um, it was really nice. I mean, I got like three three month paid leave, kind of. Didn't do anything. Didn't have to do anything other than preparing <laughs> to move anywhere, somewhere and figuring out where. Um, and that was kind of the point like that I that I chose. Like, I mean, I, I talked to my wife about getting married because I was like, I mean, she wanted to move with me and the kids as well. And we were like, okay, so we have to definitely get married before that because otherwise it will be very, very difficult. Um, sure. And for me, that was kind of the trigger point where I said, okay, I don't want to, like, I know this is going on and this has been going on for a long time. And yeah. it's not like a thing that happened yesterday. I mean, is that like the, fir uh, the first 
like real like the the first like really accepting or like the really the yeah the first time I really accepted that I'm most likely trans and that I'm I'm not happy the way I am was ten year over ten years ago. Sure. So this is not a like a happened yesterday thing. Um, right. So, but right. that was for me the the point where I was like I simply could not imagine getting married as a man. Like with everything All that right. comes with it. I didn't believe in like the whole thing anyway. Like the whole the whole like traditions about what the man has to do and all of that. I never I never related to that. I never believed in it. Um, and for me, it was very clear. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And so you had the, the timing of wanting to get married mm -hmm. combined with a geographical change and that kind of, yep. uh, solidified the need to make that transition Yeah, or to make it, to make it public and to finally do it. I said, it was, so, it was a long time coming and kind of, I'd almost given up on like finding someone that, that like who could relate to that and who could be with me. And yeah. like love me the way I am. Um, and then like it kind of accidentally happened. Um, so, so it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was really, it was the right timing. And like, I, I came out to my, my old team in the U S and they were like, I mean, all women, to be honest, uh, <laughs> that's like a constant in my life. Like I've been more friends with women and like close friends with women than, than men, like barely any friendships with men anyway. Um, so like came out to them, uh, and I mean, it was kind of, I don't even know how it happened. I think I just talked to, I talked to one of my like former employees, like she worked for me, uh, Joanne and, and I told her and I'm like, Hey, I mean, I'm like, uh, I, I'm trans and I like, I want to get married as a woman. And she, she was my, well, maid of honor basically. Uh, oh, nice. And she like she was super supportive, and she was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And she helped me with like everything, and and like basically, I told everybody else in my team, and we met up like probably the week after, like for for dinner or something or for lunch. Yeah, and that was like the first step, and that one was easy. The harder one was um like my 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 mom. Uh, yeah, she wasn't sure. at the she wasn't at the wedding because uh she, she was in the hospital like the week before here in Germany okay. so that was kind of not happening but it wasn't like she disowned you no just, no no she wasn't able no, to no she wasn't able okay. to same for my sister she got a kid like uh like a week before like a bit new oh, newborn wow. baby so i mean we didn't like she didn't know if she could like even travel at all um yeah. and then even with a newborn i mean you don't want to travel like <laughs> in a plane for like 15 hours or like 10, 12 or something. Um, so that my family wasn't there, which on one hand yeah. made it easier, but also was hard because there was like, my friends were there, but there was nobody for my family. Um, yeah. but that was kind of, yeah, I mean, distance mostly. Yeah. Um, but that was like the, the, the harder one, like, um, writing, like I, I wanted to send over photos to my family, obviously. Uh, from the ceremony and everything. Um, and yeah, I had basically pre-written the email, like before the wedding already. I had it ready to go, like whenever I'm, I was done editing the photos. Um, and I sent it over and I was like, hey, I mean, 
kind of like a little bit about the wedding like i mean how everything was go like went and like tiny paragraph about like things i was like okay there are photos you're probably gonna wonder why i'm wearing a dress <laughs> that was kind of like the introduction and then i explained it and like tried to explain like why what's going on and i mean it shouldn't have been a surprise but i'm pretty sure it was Sure. Like, I mean, anybody who knows me and has known me for like, I mean, like at least closer uh, over the years could have guessed. And a lot of my friends did. Like, I mean, friends from from Germany that like have known me for five years, sometimes longer. They weren't surprised. They were like, yeah, kind of kind of makes sense. Yeah, They, they knew I was different. They knew something was going on. They weren't like sure because I never talked about it. Um, but they were kind of suspecting that something was happening. Yeah. So would you, and I honestly don't know the answer to this question. Would you say it's easier to be a trans woman in Austria or Germany or in the U S? Um, that's a, that's very difficult. Um, I mean, the one the U S is big and it will depend on where you are. Uh, sure. I would say in Arizona, it was, I mean, I only had little experience because like I came out basically like three months before I moved, uh, sure, but I would yeah. say overall it wasn't too hard. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I had been in, I don't know, Texas or Georgia or Alabama or something, it might've been a little bit more difficult. I know from, from like people who are in that area, um, I'm in like a couple of Facebook groups. Uh, it is more difficult there, like even down to what does uh like what does your health insurance cover or are there any doctors even available and all of that so it it's hard to tell i mean austria especially makes it super difficult to do anything like you need like i mean i'm i'm still in the process of uh like going on hormones and i started beginning of the year um and okay. I, i'm like maybe in october i might be lucky enough to to get there because you need like at least six months of therapy. You need like uh, you need like letters from like a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and your therapist. Actually, two letters each. And th this is we're talking about gender reassignment. No, just hormone hormone therapy. Okay, just for that, I have to go through another set of tests and letters and whatever just for for like in the future in like a couple of years probably because you have to wait until like at least two years. Uh, for for surgery huh. yeah so they make it like they follow like global guidance like there's a there's like a medical like group called wpath um and they have like a guidance how the process should be and they just follow that here and it is uh like it is very very difficult it just takes forever it's costly um i mean yeah insurance only covers certain things but like all the right. like the, the letters basically i have to pay out of pocket which is like i don't know 300 bucks each i think um so yeah it is it is a little bit of a process and in the u.s it would have been easier like i could have walked into um planned parenthood for example and most likely gotten like hormones like a prescription within a week or two probably out of pocket i would Out of assume pocket, but... yeah but not very expensive like i mean it's like but from what i've seen depends a little bit on like the state but like 30 40 dollars a month that's so not, really interesting not not too difficult i mean you have to run like blood tests and another like 150 i think 
Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that but, would have been But not easy. the huge rigmarole that you have no. to go through. No. Wow. Um, also like name changes and like gender marker changes, uh, same process. I'm still figuring that out because like in Austria, I'm, I'm obviously a German citizen. So how does that even work like from another country? Sure. Still figuring that out. I mean, seems to be rather easy. I can basically send two letters that I have to, to the courts in Germany. And then let's hope that they accept it. Otherwise, I have to somehow do the same thing again in Germany. So yeah, it, it is it is a lengthy process and you have to be very, very patient. I mean, it's something you know about. Like, I mean, with, with your history, like mental illness and so on, and like getting yeah. getting the medication that you need. Yeah. For uh, sure. you know that's like it's yeah it's it's a thing and so that's why i say like it, it is hard to tell really i mean um germany it would depend on which area you are whether people are accepting or not um like berlin for example is like very queer and open or cologne is known for that uh the christopher street days are always in cologne and in berlin uh, sometimes yeah. in Frankfurt as well. Um, so it's there is a community and there is acceptance, um, but it's not it's not widespread. I mean, the, the there are laws for like uh, how to change your gender marker, um, like on your birth certificate, your name, and all of that. And they're from the eighties. And until okay. I okay. think what was it like three, four years ago, they required that you uh, that your marriage is dissolved if you have one. That oh, wow. you um, that you're sterile, so you can never have any what? kids. Um, and I don't remember. Oh, and you have to have had surgery. Wow. That was like I mean eighties wow, eighties thinking, but that was like until the, the basically the German equivalent of the Supreme Court kind of kicked that uh, or kicked that out and said it's that not. That sounds more like fifties thinking. That's <laughs> wow. Yeah, but that's that's still valid. Like I mean, is that they they kicked that out like a couple of years ago? I don't remember exactly when, but like let's say the last five years. Uh, wow. Like they basically said it's uh, it's unconstitutional. Um, yeah, and there has been a fight for the last yeah four or five years at least to change change the laws and make it easier for people to to do it. Um, and there was actually a first reading of a draft like for for a new law, and it basically got tabled in like till whenever. Huh. So yeah. Well, it's, at least there's it's progress. Kind of, yeah, it's, it, 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 there is progress and there is some support, but it seems to be not big enough yet. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. So a quick word from our sponsor this week, ExpressVPN. Uh, if you have ever searched for things online and then watched those things turn up in your advertising, one of the ways that happens is your ISP can record every site you visit and every search you do and sell that information to advertisers. Um, and I know a lot of you are probably thinking, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your entire browser history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter if you get your internet from Verizon or Comcast or Spectrum or whatever. ISPs in the U.S. can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. 
ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV, so there's no excuse for you not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com systematic, and you can get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com systematic. All right. Well, first off, thank you for talking openly and putting up with my uh, probably very naive questions. I appreciate that. Oh, I'm, I said, I mean, we talked about this before and I said, like, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about it. Like it's, yeah. it is something that a lot of people don't know about, or like, it's very rarely talked about in the media in general. So uh, it's, yeah, it's something important that, that there is someone out there who talks about it. All right. And second of all, it's time for the top three picks. Yay. All right. So I, I, as I've been telling my guests, I no longer do my own top three. Okay. Um, so we'll be talking about your top three and mm-hmm. you can start with whichever one you want to. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. What, which one do I start with? Uh, maybe, maybe let's stay on topic. There's a really, really good book um, from a trans woman. Uh, I mean, she transitioned as a, like, as a really young, young kid. Uh, I think she, like her mom realized that she was trans around like four or five. Um, the the it's she's an actress nowadays. Uh, you might know her okay. from um, Supergirl. Uh, it's Nicole Maines. Uh, also okay. very famous. Uh, like she in in Maine actually. Uh, she was well her her parents, but like because of her, were behind the whole um, like bathroom. So uh, school bathroom situation and the, the bill yeah. out that ultimately passed there. Um, and the book is called Becoming Nicole. And it is about uh, both her and her twin brother. Uh, I don't even remember his name. Uh, I'm blanking on it. Um, but basically about like growing up and it's it's from the perspective of her mom, like how she struggled with it. Also like her dad, how like he dealt with it. And how they navigate, like especially with a young child, like how they how they figured out, figured it out, and how they very very slowly navigated everything, and like the fear that she had to live. She, I mean, more the parents, but I think also it kind of like the kid. As a child, you you like you you realize something is going on, and you know, like I mean, you don't like you realize at some point that like, you can't talk about it, like with your with your friends or something. Uh, or it's very yeah. dangerous to do that, and that like navigating that and like how that all happened. And it was a really really good book, uh, becoming Nicole. There are so many other books, um, but this is for me kind of a all time bestseller because it 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 made me probably realize a lot of things that I didn't realize or that I didn't like that I knew they were happening but I couldn't place really. And yeah. when I saw what was happening to her, I was like. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. Um, yeah, so for sure. It, it is simply a very good book, and there's an audiobook version on Audible if you want it. Uh, it's it's narrated by, I think even by her mom. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. 
but it's a really good book. I'll admit I've become way better at listening to books than I have at reading them. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> it's simply a time. <laughs> it's simply a time thing for me. Like it's very difficult to, um, yeah, to have enough time to read. Like I'm reading. Yeah. All, I mean, kind of like you probably. You're reading all day. Like reading blog posts and Stack Overflow and code yeah. and and whatever. Like all everything. Like a lot of stuff we're reading all day, and it's very difficult when you want to wind down to still read to have yeah. also the time for it and it's easier to like go on a walk for example and listen to an audiobook which is what i do usually. when i tend to fall asleep reading whether i'm listening or reading mm, true. if it's at night i just fall asleep the nice thing about books is when i fall asleep i stop reading but with audiobooks Every time I start, I have to rewind about mm-hmm. five. I, I put like a 15 minute sleep timer on because yeah. I always fall asleep after about 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then I have to rewind five minutes. And it takes me a while to get through a book <laughs> that way. Yeah, I have the same same problem. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I don't do that with audiobooks anymore, like reading or listening to them like at night. at night. I usually yeah. do that with TV shows. So like I, I watch a TV yeah. show and then fall asleep halfway through and then like Plex keeps going <laughs> for the next like three episodes and like and I have to figure out like track back like where did I fall asleep? <laughs> so it, it's 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 funny, yeah. I, I, I do it more on walks nowadays. Like that's easier because like you can stop and start at any time. But you still like yeah. it takes like a whatever a 10, 12 hour book takes you weeks to go through. Especially when you have right. a lot of podcasts to listen to as well. Like I don't know. The one I abandoned these. <laughs> yeah, I'll admit I'm still not good at listening to podcasts. <laughs> but yeah. I am gonna check out Becoming Nicole because it is a topic that I'm I'm very curious mm-hmm. about and have a lot to learn about. Yeah. And if anybody wants any other recommendations, there are some some other really, really good books um to listen to listen or read. Um You wanna list any? Oh, I have to look them up to be honest. Uh, okay. there are a couple uh from from other trans women or even trans men. Um, which if you, uh, if you want to get me a list, I'll add them to the show notes for this. Sure. All right. Write that down. I'll, I'll provide a couple. There's, there are lots, um, especially I am recommending also reading about about trans men because it like a lot of people focus on, on the women, um, for whatever reason, uh, probably the whole old patriarchy thing. Um, yeah, men get ignored a lot or they're less, I don't know, they're less threatening. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. No, I think, I think it very much is, at least in the culture I grew up in, I think it's less threatening mm-hmm. to have a woman be a man than it is to have a man be a woman. There's, it, it feels different in mm-hmm. my, in my psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like, I can't, I would take some therapy to, I think, to figure <laughs> out exactly why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, but it's, I can definitely see that it is a cultural thing. I mean, especially in the Western world, uh, other cultures are different that way. Like, and in like, just depends. There are yeah. cultures that have had like trans women for like like centuries, millennia, sometimes. Yeah. Um, or like have even three well, genders, like in general. They just right. Have I know in Native American culture, the idea of the two spirits, this mm-hmm. idea that. There isn't that that gender is non-binary and mm-hmm. and non-binary is something to be celebrated. It, I've been reading about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not a new thing. It's like a lot of people say, "Oh, this came up the last couple of years." No, this has been around <laughs> for a very, very, very long time. For sure. 
Um, Longer than recorded history, perhaps. Um, most likely, yes. I mean, there are stories. Yes. There are stories in recorded history that where you're like, okay, like that kind of sounds like there were trans women and trans men back then. I think, yeah. as far as I remember, even in the Bible, if you read it correctly, <laughs> if if you choose, if you choose to interpret it, uh, yeah, it's it's all in about a, in interpretation. A, yeah, <laughs> right. In a in a less than modern Christian way. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, second pick. Second pick is an oldie, uh, but a goodie. Um, it's Mythbusters. I'm oh. right now binge watching them again, um, kind of because I wanted to, and kind of because um, Grand Imahara just recently died, a very young age, and I yeah, kind of wanted yeah. to watch it because of him. But I already made plans to watch rewatch it again because I do that every couple of years. Um, but it's it is. I'm almost through. Mo- I think I'm I'm halfway through the seasons, like right now. Uh, I mean, this show was going on for how long? Twelve years, ten years, something like that. Uh, very long time. Yeah. And it is yeah. such a good show. Like, I mean, all the content. Like, I mean, they, they started in the early two thousands, and all the content. I mean, there are some things that are that kind of are dated now, like cell phones, sure. or whatever. Like, I mean, flip phones. <laughs> um, right. But. Almost all the content they've made is still relevant. Like the the myths that they busted, they're still relevant, and people today still believe in them sometimes. And it's just, I mean, it's entertaining. It is like a, a lot of really good like science content and information, and they tackle like the craziest things. And they're like, I mean, sometimes it's really embarrassing what they did. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, like they do like I mean all of them are like admitting that they're like I mean we did the craziest stuff and like ask right. Harry Byron on Twitter and she's like yeah I mean that was a crazy time, um, but that's what it made what made it really good and I kind of miss a show like that today to be honest. Um, so Mythbusters like what what service are you watching that on? Um, well I have I have the DVDs and I have it on Plex um, oh. but it is as far as I remember I might have to look that up again but I think it was on Amazon okay. either that or Netflix like uh, could be Netflix because they also have the White Rabbit project which was like a kind of a follow up that Carrie and um, I think was it Carrie and Grant did I, I I might misremember that. I know Carrie Byron was there, uh, but basically the I think the build team, like the old called build team, they did like a Netflix show called The White Rabbit Project, um, and right. kind of in the same spirit as MythBusters, um, and yeah, it's, I, I, I still miss it to be honest. There is still so much stuff they could have done. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I understood um, it like after is that 12 years or whatever that they were kind of burned out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there is a space. Yeah. I would say there is a space for a show like that now. I'll have to look up White Rabbit Project. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah, it wasn't like widely. like <laughs> It wasn't a media and all of that. Like, it's more like a niche thing that for people who were big fans of Mythbusters and were following them on Twitter, you, you knew about it um unfortunately yeah it kind of got lost in the whole uh netflix mess like yeah <laughs> like sure. all the shows they're producing were like they have whatever five thousand shows a week 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. Right. New shows. Three seasons of 5,000 yeah. shows. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's uh, it was a little bit hard. It's one of the reasons why I dropped off Netflix, because it was just getting to a point where I'm like, okay, I don't... <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> like, too many yeah. options, which then makes it hard to choose. And I was like, okay, I might... The that... paradox of choice. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, what's your third pick? Okay, my third pick is a standing desk that I just ordered. Um, I'm a huge fan of standing desks. I built my own desks back in like back in Germany, back in the day out of like IKEA, Ikea stuff. Um, I bought one in the US that I had to sell because it kind of yeah <laughs> was way too expensive to to take it to sure. to uh, Austria. Plus, I mean yeah. the whole uh, like the whole power thing where it's like a hundred was it 110 right, volts right. Versus, 110 here yeah, yeah. versus 240 uh, that wouldn't have worked and i was like okay it's not worth it um it's from uh so so the problem the problem is here in europe it's hard to get standing desks i mean there's ikea which i'm some people like i'm not a fan of their desks um there is obviously the whole like old school really expensive like office supply ones or like Mm -hmm. You pay like fifteen hundred bucks for a more or less standard desk, um, and as that the the US companies that I love, um, yeah, they they don't ship to Europe, or if they do ship, it's like shipping is like four hundred bucks, which is almost as much as the desk. Um, but there's right. one company called Autonomous that I'm uh, very familiar with because I bought a chair from them and I've been kind of watching them for a really long time. Uh, it's at autonomous.ai um, and they actually ship for free uh, their standing desk to Europe um, and I know their stuff is really good I have quite a few friends that have that um, so I ordered that and I ordered the basically just the frame because the, the tabletop wasn't like really what I wanted like it wasn't big enough and yeah just didn't make any sense so I just ordered the frame and ordered the tabletop here and made my own desk and, and for the is office, it actually. adjustable fully adjustable like uh like i ordered the premium version so it's like two motors and like fully like electronic and everything uh everything you need basically yeah i'm, I'm looking at like, it i like and... i like standing like i honestly i mean for podcasting especially i kind of miss it i like i didn't buy one here for for my office um and i miss it really i like standing more than sitting yeah, just, I just, um, yeah. I bought a next desk, uh, mm -hmm. adjustable. Like it's got the controller, and you can just mm -hmm. push a button and turn it into a standing desk. Yeah. And I paid, I think, almost two grand for it, and it looks almost Jeez. exactly okay. like this one that they have for like four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the frame the frame is about uh, well, right now it's like three nineteen as far as I can see here. Um. So this is just the frame, the tabletop, like with a tabletop, it's like, let's say $400, 400, 420, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So and, smart and desk is, to premium. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. I bought the yeah. DIY, DIY kit premium, uh, dual motor. I said that the cool thing is you can like literally pick your own tabletop. I mean, they have a, they have a range of, I think, reasonably priced and really nice looking tabletops but you can literally like i don't know go to home depot or whatever and pick up one that you like i mean i'm i'm a big fan of like wooden tabletops um not for the office like here i kind of didn't want to do that since they're like 
the cleaning the, the cleaning staff might not treat it well. <laughs> sure, like, sure. Eh, maybe maybe I'll I'll use something that is a little bit easier to clean. But for like for my home office, um, like I like like hardwood. Um, just oil yeah. it, like like sand it, oil it, and then like use whatever tabletop you want. And like you can even pick your own size. That's the cool thing. You buy the DIY kit, and you can just pick whatever size you want, like whatever fits in your in your house, in your apartment, in the space you have, or like however, like they have some size limits, obviously, like how small or how big it can be, but it's pretty wide. Like I would have to look it up. Um, cool. I think it's like, let's see, um, what does it say here? Uh, and well, 40 to 73 inches, basically. Nice. All right. So that's, that's cool. kind of nice range. Um, I, I am remembering now that part of the reason my desk was so expensive is because it came with a treadmill. Okay. That makes it. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I think the desk itself was still like $1,500, mm-hmm. which yeah. now seems ridiculous. But at the time it seemed like the best one I could find. Yeah. Of course, I mean, back then I was making six figures and it was no big <laughs> deal. But. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that that that's the that's the whole thing why these companies exist. And there, as I said, I've I've had a I think it was an uplift desk before, uh, which was yeah. really really good. And um, like those companies exist for that reason because it was a market that was basically well mostly for either people making six figures or uh, yeah, I mean like like people furnishing offices, like professional yeah. like office office cubicles. And, um, yeah, there you could, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure like my company in Germany bought like standing desks for the new, like new buildings and so on. And I'm pretty sure they paid way too much for it Sure. because they just like, they just went to their office supply company and were like, okay, we want standing. Yes. And they probably charged like 1500 bucks for each one of them. Yeah. And I'm like, I could have gotten you three for that. I'm looking at the next desk site, which is now known as X desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't even list prices, which is <laughs> always a scary thing. Oh, yeah. here it is. The, uh, the X desk, X desk air, it starts without a treadmill at 2178. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you want yeah. the matte black, yeah. you can go up to $2,700. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty That's sure weird. they are probably very, very nice and very, very fast and whatever. But <laughs> I'm like the, the desks I've had and the desks I've seen like like at my friends' houses, I haven't had I have found any issue with them. I'm like they're not yeah. just low, they're not like wobbly or anything. I'm like they're they're fine. Like I don't know why you would pay more than that. I think I think Next Desk got in trouble because their uh, their desks were prone to tipping. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, mine's never tipped. It's never seemed like it's going to tip. Mm-hmm. But that was the uh, the major that. safety complaint was uh, <laughs> yeah. was tipping with theirs. Yeah, I mean that, anyway that can happen. I mean there's a lot of like especially if you fully extend them like all the way up. If you're I don't know six seven or something, uh, I yeah. could definitely see that happening at some point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm 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 six foot, but on top of a treadmill, mm-hmm. I'm closer to six five. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, yeah, so people can find you. You're, you're frequently, regularly on the British Tech Network on the Mac Show and the Big Show. Yep. And you have a podcast called Foodie Flashback. Yeah, exactly. Where else can people Where else can people locate you? Um, I would say the easiest is to head over to thepatrice.com. Um, that redirects to my website. It was just easier. Like my website is actually my last name, brandamore.net, but nobody can spell that. So I just at some point just said, okay, the Patrice. That works. <laughs> nice. And it just redirects. Uh, it's like probably like for you, like. TT scoff and like nobody can remember but Brett Terpstra probably with yeah with, with, with three T's TTScoff.com <laughs> and Terpstra.net with no E in Terpstra. Mm -hmm. Those both redirect to BrettTerpstra.com. Yet I still find myself spelling out brettterpstrip.com for people. Yeah, exactly. It's when when I'm on a phone call and they ask me what email address to use and I have to, I'm like, do mm -hmm. you have my name in front of you? Just put it all together. Yeah, exactly. Fine. I did the same thing. I'm like first name at last name dot net. And yeah. people still get it wrong. So yeah. 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 So thepatrice.com, that's where you will find like all the links, like the podcasts and um, yeah, open source projects and all of that. All right. Well, thanks again for being here. It was a really great pleasure. Uh, I'm really happy that Systematic is back. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've missed it. I was kind of wondering. Oh, I was like, thank oh, you. What happened? No, I mean, I've, I've listened. I mean, we talked about like in 2014 when I was on, I had already been listening for like a couple of years. So that probably means I probably started listening very, very early. Uh, I didn't even think it was that. Like, I thought I, I jumped in somewhere in the middle, but then I saw that I was like, yeah, well, I think it started in like 2012, yeah. so yeah, I probably it wasn't listened. a new podcast at the time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking like I, I probably listened from like either episode one or like very early onwards, and I've always enjoyed it. Like every every single guest I've enjoyed, so I, I really missed it. I'm also happy that Overtired is. I really appreciate that. It's 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 comforting to know <laughs> that someone missed it. No, absolutely. Like Overtired is such right. a fun fun podcast. So. <laughs> I and and I will be publishing by the time this episode comes out, it will have already been out. But as of right now, I'll be publishing the first episode next week. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. All right. Well, I hope to talk to you again in less than six years. <laughs> let's let's see. All right. Thanks Thank again. You. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Systematic. Check out more episodes at systematicpod.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Find me as TT Scoff on all social platforms and follow Systematic at Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T on Twitter. Thanks for listening.